Hello and welcome to a brand new installment of Nintendo News Report for Thursday, February 2nd, 2017. I am your host, Alexander Kalafi, joined by one very special co-host for a nice, quiet, two-man show, mostly about Fire Emblem and financials, but we have some fun Switch stuff along the way. Alex Kalafi, joined by one Donald Terrio. Hello, Donald Terrio. Hello, Alex. I have a question. What if there is no tomorrow? Because there wasn't one today. <laughs> is, is that a reference to something? Well, what's today? Uh, oh, Groundhog Day. Yeah. It's, it's Groundhog Day. Okay. That, that, that's a really existential movie, isn't it? Yep. It, like I think I read somewhere that like 20 different religions wrote to the director after it came out saying, this is us, this is us. It, it like it gets real in a lot of moments like it's it gets to the human psyche in a lot of weird ways for a bill murray movie yeah. that's beside the point our big topic is that fire emblem heroes came out on ios and android today i'm in chapter six donald is in chapter one let's talk about it before I say what I think of the game, and if you follow me on Twitter, you already kind of know what I think of the game. An observation I just made a second ago is that Fire Emblem Heroes is exactly Super Mario Run, except instead of it being new Super Mario Bros. gameplay, it's Fire Emblem gameplay. And with a little bit more luck base because of the, uh, because of the mechanic of character recruitment in that game. Well, yeah, because instead of you paying $10 and getting all that content uh, and in a decent way of getting all that content, now it's free to play, which brings us to one of the worst elements of Fire Emblem Heroes, and that is the free-to-play elements. You got the gotcha stuff where it's randomized what quality of hero you get because the way you recruit characters, one of the main ways is by using orbs, which are a premium currency, to get heroes that are ranked from three stars to five stars. The five stars, you have a 3% chance of getting. The three stars, you have like a 56% chance of getting. Four stars, like 30%. And anyways, that's the main way you recruit characters is through blind bag gotcha style. In addition to that, the orbs that you use to get these, even though they're accessible in the game and you can get 10 free on my Nintendo, they are outrageously priced. For, what is it, like 20, 10 to 20 characters, you're basically paying the price of one of the 3DS games? Yeah, and I think the I think the best value option that they have on the, at least on my store, is $105. Yeah. That's, if you're, that's if you're completely insane and want to get all of the characters as quickly as possible, then you can drop $105 on orbs and probably still not get all the good ones. Yeah, in the U.S., it's like 70-something dollars for the 130 which is still not that much. Like, I would hope that for 70 80 bucks U.S., that would at least be 300 orbs, 400 orbs, 500 orbs. Some outrageous number where, like, you will never need orbs again. But the amount they give you, you could still spend every orb and not get a five-star character, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I I rolled the full set of orbs, used about half of the stock that I had, and I got, I think my best was a four. 
Yeah, I get usually, I've done it, I've done like two loops. I got two fours one time, I got one four a second time. And then there are these people on 4chan who are resetting the game constantly in order to get five stars. And then that leads to problems where they're like, okay, now I have two five-star focus Marths and they're dealing like 30 damage per hit in the first level. So it, it's it's a free-to-play game. The UI looks like a free-to-play game. It has a lot of the unsavory stuff about a free-to-play game. Oh, this, I mean, this is from the developers of Final Fantasy Record Keeper, which is a game that I heard a lot about, but I tended to avoid because the free-to-play was so pernicious. On the other hand, Fire Emblem Heroes, you don't have to pay any money to get all the content. And it is more content than Super Mario Run. The, yeah. the, the one downside is that there's a stamina bar and it's kind of a pain in the ass to refill. The only way to refill it after, outside of getting like very limited stamina refills in the game is spending my Nintendo coins. Yeah, which really you get, you basically get a stamina potion every time you complete a chapter. And you and if you let the stamina recover, you'll probably have enough to do a chapter in a shot. So I, I think the hard part's going to be if you actually want to get the five-star characters that they're pushing in front of your face, including Takami, fuck that guy, yeah. who, uh, who, because that's where they're probably going to get, that's where they're going to get a lot of people with the money is getting those characters that they want to have. Yeah. Adam Servo in the chat asks, it's good? We are getting into that in just a second. Before we do that, I just want to lay out the structure of this game, because it is a lot like Super Mario Run, in that you have a story campaign, where there's a story, and then there are levels, and then there's the Toad Run-like mode, which is the arena battles, which is the exact same thing. You beat the ghosts of other real Other, players yeah like you can pull off your friends list or i hadn't registered any friends i went into the arena fought a rando in japan and beat them pretty handily but right. uh yeah and there's difficulty levels associated with that so if you're so i would probably stick to the one star my thousand hour playing of fate's roommate would probably go for the three stars if he had a compatible device yeah so it's a story mode it's the Toad Run type mode, the arena battles. There's a couple other like special timing-based modes. There's missions. And it basically has a very similar structure to Super Mario Run. And if you've seen the Fire Emblem Direct, you know that the whole premise of this game is that it's Fire Emblem, except instead of it being across a much larger arena, it's on the size of the screen, like the size of your phone screen, meaning it's a relatively small grid, and it's four-on-four four battles. But other than that, it's mostly Fire Emblem outside of some relatively major changes. Like, now there's no percentages for so, getting hits accuracy. from enemies. Huh? Yeah, there's no, uh, there's no accuracy. I think there might be s some ways to get criticals, but I think they're forced as part of the flow of combat and not a 1% not a chance of critting. Right, because there are special moves that are dictated based on a move counter. Right, like like I know Anna, the Anna character you get at the start of the game, she has, if she does a move, her next move will basically be a critical hit. Right. And there is some Fire Emblem-y stuff in that, but there's no accuracy, 
and also there's no permadeath. Which, yeah. I, I mean, there really can't be permadeath if you're forcing people to pay money for characters. Or yeah, that would, that, would be a, that would be an that would be the biggest dick move in mobile game history, and that's saying something. That would be a disaster. Yeah. So there's the video game. Now to get back to your question, Adam Servo, is it good? It's good, kind of. <laughs> it, it it gets off to a slow start, but once I think Alex that is finding. Understatement of the century, Donald. Yeah. The story in this thing is dog crap. We're talking, so we're below birthright tier at this point for you guys. It's the I mean, you can tell that they did not get their A tier Fire Emblem writers on this because it's just the whole story is just text justification for the Fire Emblem heroes being in that universe. But it's not good justification. It's like, hey, here's this. It's the mythical item that allows heroes from the past to be summoned. And here's how this happens. And here's the villain who's summoning these heroes. And they're trying to beat you. And you summon your heroes. And that's the whole story. But it uses a little too much text for this baseline story. So maybe three levels into the prologue, I ended up skipping all the story sections which I think is the ideal way to play this game. You aren't missing anything by missing out on the story, and also you unlock difficulties as you beat the chapters, so you can always go back and catch up on the story if you're that worried about it. So the story's really bad, and the first five chapters of the game, or the first three or four chapters of the game, it is so pathetically easy. You choose one team, you barrage through all your enemies... You read the crappy text and you go on to the next level and you get bored very, very easily. It's it's kind of it's kind of dull at first. Would you say that's relatively accurate based on your early impressions, Donald? Based on the fact that I'm still in the still in chapter one, um, yeah, I'm I'm finding I'm skipping a lot of the text, which is a shame because you know. Fire Emblem being a strategy RPG normally does have decent writing in the main games, but clearly, like you said, they got the they got the C tier for this one. Um, it, it's it, I think this is going to be like they always talk about bridge games and using mobile to bring people to the full game. I think this is going to do a good job of having of getting people into stuff like like the Fire Emblem Echoes and the Fire Emblem Switch game next year. Maybe. I think it depends on the kind of person you are. I would say the story in this is so hard to enjoy that I started questioning how good the stories of other Fire Emblem games were. Because I was like, I'm really bored right now, and it's doing kind of the same stuff that other Fire Emblem stories are doing. Like, is are other Fire Emblem stories crappy, or is it just this one? And I think it's just this one. And the gameplay even though it does an excellent job of introducing Fire Emblem mechanics to people who haven't played Fire Emblem, which is the most important thing you can do, it starts off so slow that it actually got me maybe 10% less excited for Fire Emblem Echoes. I still have it pre-ordered, and I'm very close to pre-ordering those Amiibos, but the game makes a very poor first impression that may turn other people's off Mm. from 
that it may turn other people off from getting into the game. However, on chapter five, which is the most recent one I played, it started actually getting pretty challenging. Like I had guys die. I almost lost some rounds, but I'm st- I'm still like I'm starting to have fun because now I have to think semi strategically. Yeah, so, I so just some of that thinking does start happening an hour and a half to two hours into the game. Yeah, I just I just know that right now that thing is is shredding my phone's battery. Like I played about forty five minutes of it and I was down thirty percent. Oh yeah, 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 it destroys battery and the downloads are greedy. Because it takes 26 megabytes, I think, to download the initial game. After that, there's an initial update screen that asks you for 80 more megabytes. And after that, 300 megabytes. (laughs) Yep. So at that point, it's like, you better get on Wi-Fi for this. Or you better have an unlimited data plan or something. It turns into half a gig very quickly which is something worth considering and being aware of. But other than that, the Fire Emblem combat is good. Like, they managed to put Fire Emblem combat onto the small screen. It's just a very easy, simplified Fire Emblem that gets off to such a slow start that I wouldn't be surprised if the game had a certain drop-off rate from people who've played Fire Emblem games before. Well, there, we, we learned this week that there's a lot of those people that have played Fire Emblem games just in the last year or so. Yeah, because of the fact that we're playing a Fire Emblem mobile game right now, and this was announced on a Fire Emblem Direct, and we have Fire Emblem Heroes coming later this year, and there's a Fire Emblem game on Switch, and there's a Fire Emblem game this year, and last year, and two years before. Reestablishing the point we made last episode or two episodes ago that Fire Emblem is now an A-tier Nintendo franchise, and that is so cool and yeah. so weird. Not, not there's anything wrong with that. I mean, I'm because I'm actually now, I'm watching, my, my roommate is playing the Fire Emblem GBA game that I got with uh, some my Nintendo credit. I got a discount on it. And now it's like, hmm, maybe I should boot up my copy of Shadow Dragon, or maybe I should Go back and try that Sacred Stones I've had sitting on my 3DS for the last five plus years. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I can say about Fire Emblem Heroes so far. I don't think there's much of a consensus on this game yet. Like, Super Mario Run had a very clear consensus. At first, people were very happy with it. Then it got mixed. And then public perception on the game got relatively negative. With this, because of the paywall. Because of the, but now, because of the paywall, and then the game. The game ended up like people started shitting on the game given enough time for Super Mario Run, which I'm not saying is justified, but you've seen it too. People were positive on Super Mario Run at first, and then public opinion on the game completely plummeted, I'd say. Flatlined, yeah. Yeah. Fire Emblem, I think. I think it'll be seen as all right. I think it'll be seen as better than Super Mario Run. I think it'll and be that, and, yeah. And that would make it the best Nintendo mobile Nintendo fully published mobile game by default pretty much because the other options Mitomo. Right, it would be Mitomo. I think it's going to be seen as a better video game than Super Mario Run. I think it'll get downloaded more times. 
Mm, no, that's not true. No, they're the download numbers for Mario Run are insane. It's just the conversion rate for the full full game is kind of low. I could see Fire Emblem making Nintendo comparable money to Mario. I could see them making similar amounts of money because for a Fire Emblem fan, I could see people like your roommate, Donald, dropping the $70. I I don't think he will, but it's more of a matter of, A, he doesn't have a device that can really play it right now, Mm. and he's the kind of person who plays a free-to-play game until the paywall kicks in and then drops it. He did the same thing with Pokemon Shuffle and Pokemon Picross. Right. Okay, that's fair. From my excursions on 4chan's V-board tonight, just to see what people were saying, I did see the occasional post that was like, I already spent $50 on this thing. I just spent 10 bucks," Which is weird, because the other half of the posts were talking about ways to pirate the game. <laughs> <laughs> which which are which are the two people you're gonna get on 4chan? People looking not to buy video games at all, despite the fact that it's a free to play video game, <laughs> and people who spend way too much money on it because they need their waifu fighting simulator. <laughs> yeah. But those are those are my initial impressions. It gets off to a very slow start that puts a very sour taste in my mouth. It's gotten slightly better, and we'll see where it goes from there. And keep it locked to Nintendo World Report, because I'm sure at some point in the next few days we'll have a full review for the game. Someone's going to review it, I'm sure. Someone will. Okay, that's all we have to say about Fire Emblem. People are talking about the Switch, of course. Heart Donor saying one more month till Switch. And we will be talking about Switch very soon, except first we have a little financial talk. Yeah, um, so Nintendo had their their results call after the close of business on Tuesday in Japan. And um, they actually did pull a profit largely because they sold about 13 million copies of Pokemon Sun and Moon in six weeks. Million, which is... It sold more copies of Pokemon Sun and Moon in six weeks than the Wii U did in four years. Yep. Which at first I'm like, that's not fair because Pokemon's $30 and the Wii U's $300, but it's still pretty bad even when you think about it that way. Yeah, it's it's already past Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire, which came out two years ago. And and by now it has probably outshipped X and Y. Which are it still has. shipping pretty well because of the because of the Pokemon Go effect. Are do you think new copies of X and Y are still being made? I, I would I would assume so. I mean, if they're going to keep selling, Nintendo's going to keep printing them. Yeah. And That's and true. the sales of every I mean X I think X was in the top ten for 3DS games in December and the MPDs and you know the Pokemon Go effect is real with these things. Yeah. You ever think about how the 3DS has lived a full life and it feels like the system came out a year and a half ago? Well, it, it, well, I mean, we're, what, two years removed from the new 3DS launching in, in North America? So that, that almost makes sense, actually. No, it makes sense. The system's had a full lifespan. It came out in 2011, which is 
in about a month, that'll be six years, which is plenty of time for a system, one of Nintendo's best handhelds yet, if not its best handheld. It's just amazing because I can remember the launch period of that system so vividly. I can remember every step of that system's life so vividly. And it doesn't feel as old as it is. Like, it doesn't feel like a system that has three Pokemon games out on it. It doesn't feel like a system that has these 3D Zeldas and this Zelda and a 3D handheld Mario. And then, like, Yo-Kai Watch and then all these other crazy games and all these, like, PS2 ports. The two 3DS, Shin Megami Tensei games. Two real-ass Shin Megami Tensei games, a Persona game that's kind of an Etrian Odyssey, but, like, also three other Etrian Odyssey games, a soon-to-be four. Come on, John, get on it. Let's hear it. <laughs> the 3DS has lived a full life. And as we talk about the Switch and as we talk about the 3DS accessor business, which we're going to be talking about soon, it's just amazing to me to think that the 3DS was born, lived a life, had a lot of great games, and is now, uh, in the words of one Ethan Einhorn on Player One Podcast, sunsetting. So, And it's the only Nintendo system standing right now because the Switch isn't out yet and the Wii U's been discontinued. Yeah. Everywhere. The Wii U has been discontinued everywhere. That is relatively new news. That just happened in yeah. Japan like a week ago, right? They they basically announced it with these results that, yeah, the Wii U's done, and the Wii U's been done in North America since November, honestly. Which means Project Giant Robot might not come out. Oh, no. it's already, <laughs> It's been confirmed canceled. It's done. I give it 50-50. I, I know. That thing's done. It, it'll it'll get revived. It, it, it'll turn into something completely different that we don't even recognize probably in two years on the Switch. I wonder if it was fun. If Neil was on the show, I would ask him if, Pro- if Project Giant Robot was fun because it didn't look that fun. It theoretically sounded fun, but when like I watched the video that we posted from the E3 demo, it just looked clumsy in the same way Star Fox Zero kind of looks clumsy. Yeah. yeah. I, I think what happened was someone from Nintendo, like Satoru Iwata, went up to Miyamoto and went like, hey, you're the only guy who can do this. We need you to come up with ways that justify the Wii U gamepad. But it, they basically told Miyamoto to come up with ways to justify the Wii U gamepad after the Wii U had already come out. Yeah. And like this is like and what seemed cool back in 2013, 2014 actually kind of looks forced with, with a little historical perspective. And and the sad thing is, I mean, you know, of those two projects, one of them actually did come out and was a pretty fun game. Yeah, it was presumably pretty fun. I, I have Sir, it. You have it. It's probably still sealed at this point, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's still sealed. I never opened it. Um, Star Fox Guard was a good video game. Yeah, I, I liked it. It was, it, it was surpri- shockingly good as a local multiplayer game, actually. Oh, there you go. In addition to that, we are still waiting for updates on Kawashima's brain training. Concentration for, for Europe for only. Europe, for Europe yeah, only. it's like, at, at this point, that is, now that Project Giant Robot is gone, that is now the official Nintendo release calendar running gag. It is, and it's still pretty funny every single time I see that it hasn't been canceled. It's like, what are you doing, guys? But, yeah. And, and then, 
so sad too because Brain Age Concentration is one of the most badass 3DS games. It's not one of the best 3DS games, and it is not a perfect 3DS game, and it's a game that'll make your head hurt if you play it for long enough. But if you've played Brain Age Concentration, Donald, that game is badass. I think I think it's on my wish list somewhere because Nintendo has pretty much buried that game ever since it came out, honestly. Which is so confusing because it's like Brain Age, except now it's really hard and forces you to use your mind in a lot of ways that are extremely challenging. Like it's like it's it's Brain Age Concentration has a lot of mini games that are like remember what okay, three, two, three. Four. And after he's, he reads off like four or five numbers, now you have to start remembering what Dr. Kawashima said three numbers ago. I wonder I wonder if it just happened that you know we had further research on these type of brain age type games and they found them to not actually do anything. I thought they were fun. I don't think they necessarily yeah, I mean, have they're to fun, do anything. They're fun games, but like they they were being pushed as oh this is going to help your brain stay young and it's like a what does that even mean and b it doesn't work that way i don't know maybe i i think that's a cool game i think anyone in the u.s who has not played brain age concentration should play it although i agree that game has completely been buried and i have no idea why i wonder I almost want to check later if it's still even on the eShop. I would think it is, but... No, it should, it'll still be on the eShop. It's just, like, no one's talking about it. I don't... Yeah. I, I can't think of anyone who's brought up Brain Age Concentration outside of this podcast. <laughs> In the last three and a half years. Like, this Over is the now. podcast to listen to if you want juicy Brain Age Concentration conversation. Uh, oh, the, the only other people that have brought it up? have been people who have to report on it still being on the release schedule as TBA for Europe. Right. I'm looking on Amazon now. Brain Age Concentration Training, $14.99 used and new, 76 offers. Brain Age Concentration 3DS on an unknown platform is $15.95, which has free shipping from a third-party seller. So it seems like you can still get copies of Brain Age Concentration Training. So That's Seems like the kind of thing that Nintendo would have wildly overprinted, though. So if you want some brainage, I fully, fully, fully recommend it. And also it has Dr. Mario in it, so how can you go wrong? Or, excuse yeah. me, Virus Buster. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, so Nintendo did did make money. They've actually raised their expectation for profit for the year on the back of strong Switch pre-orders and the 3DS doing way better than they expected. Was this the time when Mr. Kamishima said that he expects the Switch to sell roughly the same as the Wii? <laughs> um, I think he's high if he thinks that, but well, we'll find out. <laughs> Watch it sell 25 million this, this next fiscal year and make me look like an idiot. But um, he that was in an interview I be, with, I believe, a Japanese newspaper that was as a result of these earnings coming out. Like they had their big strategy meeting on Wednesday, Japan time, Tuesday night, our time. And then they, and then Kimishima did a round of interviews with places like Nikkei and the, uh, and other Japanese newspapers about it. I see two paths for the switch. I don't see the Wii path. I see two paths for the switch. I see it being another bomb like the Wii U or I see it being 
a console between like N64 and Wii territory, like 55 million, like those numbers mm-hmm. everyone keeps predicting for the Switch. Yeah, I think that sounds I think it, right. As a, I if, think, the, if they pull off the Switch, they might not. Yeah, I, th- I think it basically basically it'll come down to do they have Pokemon? If not, then you're probably looking at a floor of Wii U and a ceiling of, I don't know, N64. But if it does get a, po- a Pokemon generation to itself, then you're probably looking at a floor of about somewhere between GameCube N64 and a ceiling of about the 3DS. Mm. Heart Donor says, Wii U is still alive, LOL. Yeah, they got to sell 40,000 more of them in the next two months, I think, to meet their financial expectation for the fiscal year. And I think they've crawled to that in Japan by now. So, yeah, that should work. You know what would be a good video or a good graphic? And I'm saying this as someone who does not know how to make graphics or videos. Would be find out the sales of the Wii U every single month. And then do a time lapse that shows November, December, January, February, March. And then you just see the numbers go from like 100,000 to 50,000 to five. Because I think you, I mean, we have like, there are numbers floating around for the Wii U in the US from launch until about June of last year. And of course, because Japan, they have two different, at least actually three different organizations that do sales tracking there, we can probably get numbers for Japan and the US and just be filling in the gaps with Europe, which we basically have to use Nintendo's financial statements for. But that would be an interesting visual to see just how little Wii U actually moved the dial. Yeah, it'd be like Christmas, (laughs) Mario Kart, Splatoon, and then done. A little bump for Mario Maker, and then that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't... If you told me the Wii U sold 70 or 80% of its systems within the first year or two, I would so believe that. I I don't think that would have happened because simply because the Splatoon bump in Japan... That's true. That, that, might, have, that bump might be a millions, not a hundreds of thousands thing. Yeah, and like like it boosted like the baseline for the Wii for about a year and a half was twenty to thirty thousand a week, where it was like ten before. So, if you're doubling Wii U sales for at least a year, that's gonna that's gonna put a good a good run into its sales. And plus, you have the I think it's best Christmas. I think still was twenty fourteen. Yeah, maybe you're right. Smash Brothers. So. What else are we talking about? I think that's all we have for sales, but we can talk about some other stuff. For instance, moving on to Switch news, because I know everyone wants to hear about Switch news. Dr. Oh, I keep thinking Dr. Kawashima, but no, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Kawashima said that Switch Online was going to be 2,000 to 3,000 yen. Estimated seventeen fifty to twenty six fifty U.S. dollars, but that'll obviously twenty be twenty to thirty dollars, just because that's the way the switch console pricing was, and that's roughly where I predicted it. I don't know if I predicted it on this show, but when I was thinking, 
okay, if they're giving away one NES game a month, there's no way they charge $50 for this thing. Yeah, I think because they would need to get people used to the idea of paying for online on a Nintendo system. So they need to A, bring the content that would justify paying for, you know, justify an online paywall, and then running the subscription back. Because I actually, uh, there was an incident on another show that I'm on where we lost part of our prediction segment and originally I had said that the online cost would be half of PS Plus, and then this came out before we did the retake. Retake. <laughs> so, yeah, that. Yeah. So twentieth. I mean, if we assume a hundred yen to the dollar, which Nintendo usually does, especially with the Switch system pricing, then yeah, twenty to thirty bucks a year. Ideally, they put that to twenty, because it, it realistically. The main games that people are going to play online would be Mario Kart, Splatoon, and what Pokemon, if yeah. if that ends up happening. So I think at that if you're not going to get like your Call of Duty or Overwatch or whatever on the Switch, then yeah, twenty to thirty bucks if we have to do the online paywall thing and one game a month versus five or six on PlayStation or four on four on Xbox. It should be twenty. It's going to be thirty. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair thing to say. Yeah, but again, it, it comes down to Nintendo. Even with the the little bit of online that they do, they were leaving money off the table, and Sony makes more off PS Plus than Nintendo does in a year sometimes. I have a question because the reason why I thought it would be this price isn't because of the NES games, but I was thinking about how they they would. Nintendo's the kind of company who would charge $5 a year for Pokemon Bank. And my question is, is that a Nintendo thing or is that a Pokemon company thing? Um, I think, I mean, somebody's got to pay for the, the storage space. I mean, it, I, it can't be all that much, but given the amount of people that are probably using Pokemon Bank as we speak, it's not, I think five, I think it's just five bucks a year, is just what it would cost per user to run the servers. No, to but run, what, run storage for it. In my imagination, if that is a Nintendo thing, that seems like the con Nintendo seems like the kind of company that would be comfortable with using a low cost per year subscription model. Yeah. Which is yeah. seems funny. I I I wouldn't I mean I think it was Pokemon Company said, hey, we don't really have a feasible way to transfer up five hundred and six hundred Pokemon to six string games at once which is part of the reason bank exists in the first place was to facilitate transfer from gens five to six so we, it's like okay but we like this is gonna there's gonna be some storage costs associated so we have to charge a nominal fee and five bucks a year for that if they roll bank into this i'll be thrilled cherry goblin says the online paywall is kind of turning me away from switch cherry goblin I'm not going to be the Nintendo apologist who says, well, you know what, that's just the way things are now. You just got to deal with that. So just suck it up and pay for it. I'm not going to do that to you because you are the consumer and it's you don't have a personal relationship to Nintendo. So you should be a consumer and make your decision for whether how important the online stuff is to you, whether you want to, whether that justifies a switch, yada, 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 yada. What I will say is that games are getting bigger, online components are getting more advanced, and 
the costs aren't going down. They're going in the opposite direction. Which means, at a certain point, Nintendo's a company, and they can't just be expected to take whatever cost it is for us to play online and just take that to be consumer friendly. In the same way you're a consumer and you have the right to decide how to spend your money and you should not think about Nintendo's feelings or how much of a Nintendo fan you are, Nintendo is also a company and Nintendo also needs to get their bottom line. So and they have they have shareholders who are wonder who are looking at these balance sheets of Nintendo and Sony where Sony's pulling in a huge chunk of change every year from from online rentals and game rental, and it's like, why are you not doing this? So you're right that it sucks, Jared Goblin. You are yeah, absolutely, absolutely right that it sucks. What I will say is that keep an open mind because these things, I think there's a reason why there's the paywall, and I think it's probably a reasonable reason. And, and TRB, even... yeah. And Nintendo, I mean, even if they, even if you don't have the multiplayer, hopefully they're still bringing enough single-player content on these games that you can go without connecting online and you still have a high-quality experience, which Nintendo is... That's their game. <laughs> if hopefully. anyone... We'll, we'll see how Nintendo we'll see. Network on cell phones works out. <laughs> yeah. TRBR adds, if I get half the value of PS Plus, I'll be okay, but I feel like we'll get one-tenth the value for one-half the price. That's kind of how I feel, too, right now. Mm-hmm. you got the I online... Mean, yeah, go ahead, Donald. I, I'm going to have to buy it for... Oh, we, we both will. Everyone on the site's going to buy it. Even if I wasn't on Nintendo World Report, I'd still buy it. Because I'm still, like, even as I criticize Nintendo, I'm still a fucking Nintendo fanboy. Of course I'm going to yeah. buy it. Right. Yeah, but if if there's if there's nothing there to to justify it, then again, hopefully Nintendo is producing enough single enough value in the single player games that a Switch is still worth it. And you can, I mean, I barely played Splatoon online as it was after, except for Splatfest. Right. I, yeah. TRBR makes a good point. You got these NES games that you don't get to keep. You got the online, which has never been the strongest feature of any Nintendo game outside of Splatoon and Mario Maker, which, in addition to maybe Smash, are the three first games to ever really justify online in a Nintendo game outside of Pokemon and Animal Crossing, which are kind of doing their own thing. And and I'd say Mario Kart 8's online was really good, too. That's true. Okay, Nintendo has had a handful. But at the same time, they're not competing with Sony and Microsoft for having super competitive online services. They're they're not competing with Microsoft and all the third parties that are on Sony, let's face it. Microsoft is barely competing with anyone anymore. (laughs) Coming soon to OS X, Halo Wars 2. Yeah, no kidding. Touch the touch bar, get all units. Yeah, but they are, TRBR says, yes, they are competing, but also competition looks so weird as a video game console 2016 and 2017. But how I agree with you, TRBR, is that they have these NES games you don't get to keep, 
making me pay for Wrecking Crew that goes away after a month and might have online play, might not. I think that might just be Super Nintendo games. You got the online stuff that is not the strongest part of any Nintendo game. You got the fact that the online is going to be handled through phones, which a lot of people are like, that's an interesting way to do things. I guess we'll see how it goes. That sounds like a pain in the ass. In the same way, the gamepad is kind of a pain in the ass, and in the same way, setting up the sensor bar is the pain in the ass on the Wii. The pain in the ass of this Nintendo console generation is going to be the online service for the Switch. Because there's always some pain in the ass with a modern Nintendo console. And it's a cool gimmick, but it is a gimmick that makes it a pain in the ass to use that's not just using a controller and turning on the TV. Switch's pain in the ass is going to be the Switch uh, online service, and they're charging for it, and all this other stuff. So I do think it's going to be a tenth of value for half the price. But me, me, hopefully, I'm, I'm not saying they will, but maybe they have some killer application in this that we'll find out later. Because remember, this online thing doesn't launch until the fall. Right. Probably with Splatoon 2. It soft so, launches much in the, the same way the console does. Yeah, and I mean, hey, Mario Kart Deluxe will be up before that, and it will have free online, so fire it up. Heart Donor says, if I could get GameCube games on it, I'm sold. Low-key, Heart Donor, I actually totally agree with you. GameCube games are maybe my most anticipated thing on the Switch right now, outside of Mario Odyssey. Mario Odyssey, Zelda, and then GameCube games. Because GameCube games are not necessarily the easiest thing to play if you don't already have a GameCube or a Wii that's set up or like all this other stuff. Having a GameCube virtual console that you could download GameCube games on would be super, super nice. Thousand Year Door, Fire Emblem, Skies of Arcadia, Super Mario Sunshine, Super Smash Brothers, Melee, Botan Kaidos. Botan Kaidos. It. it does, and then Eternal Darkness was also GameCube, right? Yep. Yeah. So, so <laughs> there's a lot of cool-ass things. TRBR, yeah, GameCube games would be part of that half the value. Yeah, but, but it's still uh, kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah. well, hopefully, and hopefully Nintendo take, you know, takes the fact that we're paying for this as an opportunity to step up their discount game because the new My Nintendo rewards are like, And the fact that in the, I mean, we just had a permanent price drop on the last Guardian, which came out in December. Yeah. And it's already dropped 20 bucks. So Nintendo would hopefully, let, hopefully this is a chance for Nintendo to be maybe loosen the purse strings a little on some of their, on their games, especially when they're two, three years old. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Maybe. Hey, I, I, I honestly, I don't use the online on my on my PS4 for pretty much anything. I look at PS Pluses for for me anyway. It's occasional game rentals and chance to get bigger discounts on games that I'll own own outright. CJ from the Player One podcast made a very good point on Twitter the other day, and that point was that PlayStation Plus. And Xbox Live Gold are devaluing indie games because you get so many a month. Some of them are new, and because you get them all for free, you don't really play any of them. And a lot of people agreed with him, and I agree with him. 
I don't remember the last PlayStation Plus game I played. Maybe it was Fury for an hour a year ago. The reason I keep PS Plus is so I can play games online when I want and so I can get the discounts. I actually prefer the discounts I get on PlayStation Plus to the free games I get on PlayStation Plus. Partially because PlayStation Plus has consistently been putting out garbage as its free games. Ironically, I've got two Yakuza games from PS Plus that I still have to play. But that's the exception, not the rule. Did Yakuza 4 also get put out as PS Plus? It did. Okay. It was like, it was, I think it was around the time that 5 came out. And then 5 went on plus a year later. Or like 6 months later, even. Heart Donor says, I passed on the PS4 just for the Switch. Well, Heart Donor, hmm. maybe you made the right decision. Maybe you made the wrong decision. The, you could have made the right decision if you're a person who just wants to play Nintendo games. You may have made the wrong decision if you consider the possibility, what I think the fact, at least my opinion, that the PlayStation 4 is actually finally hitting its stride this year and late last year. Like, there's finally a very large number of great games on the PlayStation 4 that makes it fully justifiable as a console. And it it is this generation's PlayStation 3, except it's also the dominant console again. Which I think is really cool, because you have all these super big games, you're getting the best version of these games because you're not dealing with the cell processor anymore. But also you're getting stuff like Persona 5, you're getting stuff like Yakuza 0, you're getting stuff like Yakuza Kiwami, and then you're getting all these anime games that are PlayStation 4 exclusive and were PS3 exclusive but aren't coming out on PS3 in the West. Like, for instance, Yakuza 0. I got that game in January. I put 50 hours into that thing. That game is the best Yakuza game yet. And if you've never played any of those games, you need to play Yakuza 0 because it is fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I, I can think of like five or six games I've played in the last year that are like tremendous, tremendous games that I only played on the PlayStation. Yeah, so you get you get the full you get the full story for Final Fantasy 15 in March. You get Persona 5 in April. <laughs> and then once you've beaten all both of those, Final Fantasy 12 actually makes sense edition comes out in July. And you got Horizon in February, which sounds like it's a good game. You got Neo, N-I-O-H, which is a PS4 exclusive, which came out today. Or the reviews came out today. I think it comes out on Tuesday. Okay, got me there. So that game comes out on Tuesday. You got the Berserk Muso game coming out next month, which is the most anticipated game of the year. Not really, but that is a pretty cool game if you like Berserk. And then you have God of War coming, which looks really sick because it's like God of War Dark Souls. And then you have Red Dead Redemption coming, which is which that's on Xbox and also, but it is um, it's not coming on Switch. So the PlayStation Four is a system worth buying, which is which is hell. I, I my point. I, I there's a reason why I asked for one for Christmas. Sometimes on this show, I feel like Alex Jones. Have you ever seen Alex Jones talk, Donald? Um, Al- I have. Alex Jones is like, he's a very good host, but he has one point, and then he rambles into 30 different points with no point whatsoever other than this thing came into his mind. The only difference is that he talks about lizard people, and I talk about the PlayStation 4 and a Nintendo show. Yeah. <laughs> TRBR mentioned the WebM 
of uh, Alex Jones talking about how the government's turning the frogs gay, which which is which is a pretty special thing. Yeah. If any of you guys are interested in this kind of thing, to just crazy ass political commentators, Alex Jones was on Joe Rogan's podcast today or yesterday. And it was three hours and 45 minutes of magic. That, that's all I'm going to say. Uh, Donald, I'm, 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 what, what were you going to say about this nonsense I'm talking about? Well, hopefully, you know, Nintendo is trying to get out there with all this huge marketing budget that they announced at, at oh, the we're talking about Nintendo still? I'm, yeah, we're I'm trying to bring this back to, you know, okay, the point yeah, of the yeah, show. Yeah, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. That... Yeah, so, so uh, Sunday night, there's a somewhat important football game on. And during the fourth quarter of said football game, there's going to be a 30-second ad for the Switch, which that costs a lot of money. But it also gets it in front of a shit ton of people. Well, it's not exactly an ad for the Switch. It's more an ad for Z- for Zelda, Zelda but in the it's context em- of the Switch. Yeah, they're, em- they're emphasizing Zelda. Like... We, I mean, we had mobile games they advertised on the Super Bowl a lot in recent years, and they had the Pokemon ad last year. But this, I think, is the first time Nintendo has done an ad, essentially, for one game in the Super Bowl, which, by the way, is 19 of the 20 most watched television programs in the history of the United States. Yeah. And, and hey, I, get that, I could see the ads if I actually had cable. <laughs> isn't isn't something else happening that the president is going to be handing the Super Bowl trophy to whoever wins? Is that at the game? That I don't think that has been confirmed. Oh, but, that's just the thing uh, that's been talked about. That's been talked about because there is a fifty percent chance that the commissioner of the National Football League is going to look like a complete ass on stage when he presents the Super Bowl trophy. Oh, especially if he gives it to Tom Brady directly. <laughs> Yeah, because he would also be presenting the Super Bowl MVP. I love that I that you're like, okay, Alex, I'm gonna take the show back now. We're gonna bring it and back to normal, talking, and then you, the, you just go straight to the NFL. Well, because the 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 key for Nintendo is that this game needs to be close, and and every every Super Bowl that New that New England has been in since about 1996 has been a at least within a one score game at the end. So. Nintendo's going to have a lot of eyes on this thing because the last the last thing they're hoping for is like two years ago, like the forty three to seven or whatever. I like it, whatever the, the yeah the the New York yeah those those games. I the thought Seattle the Seattle Denver game. Oh, that's the one you're thinking about. I was thinking of the ones when Patriots got wrecked for like two Super Bowls in a row. Yeah, and then they've won. And then they've won what? The the only ones they've lost since have been to the Giants. Yeah. Yeah, I like the commercial. I didn't necessarily like the screens they used for Zelda, which is a very weird complaint. I don't know if you noticed how empty the Zelda world looked and all the screens Nintendo showed that game in during the trailer. Yeah, I, I recommend going back and looking at the Nintendo Switch Super Bowl trailer. Yeah, and then it's you'll a- notice... Yeah, that they, they make that game not look very great, and it, or they make the game look like there's not a lot to it. It they they're really emphasizing the the open air part of it. Unfortunately, that may not be the thing you want to show in front of 100 million people. 
Right, you want to show a lot of stuff on screen. Not like Muso, a lot of stuff on screen. But you want to make it seem like it's a living, breathing, open world with a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff in the same way you would have in The Witcher or all these other games that sold 5 million or 10 million copies. Yeah. I... it's They're showing the Imagine Dragons. It shows Link and there's nothing around him. It shows Link and there's a giant monster and nothing else around him. It shows the Switch get docked. It shows Link, one monster and nothing else around him. It shows Link, one monster and nothing else around him. It shows Link and nothing else around him. Yeah, it's, yeah. I just I just realized that was actually Imagine Dragons. So that's a nice callback to when they uh, did the Zelda thing at the first Game Awards, actually. Yeah, it's a new Imagine but how many, song too. I wonder if it was made. Yeah, for the trailer. Uh, it had come out like it came out on like a day or two, two before. Yeah, like it rolled out on Tuesday, and then this thing was announced on Wednesday. So, yeah, but I'm I'm still kind of worried about. Breath of the Wild, though, and I'm wondering if it's not going to review as a Zelda game normally reviews. I think it's going to review as a Zelda game normally reviews. I think you just forget how a Zelda game normally uh, reviews. But Oh, no. I, I'm well aware of how Zelda games review, especially on this website, but I... I have the feeling that outs. I mean, this is probably going to end up with about a ten-point split between, or like a ten open critic point split between what we give the game and what main, you know, multi-platform outlets give the game. And I think this might end up in like the eighties. I remember like Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, how that game was like, here's an 8, here's a 9, and then GameSpot gives it a 6, but they actually have a decent review about it. And then you have Mario Kart 8, and it's like, here's a 9, here's an 8, here's Best Mario Kart, and then here's Neil 7.5, which I still think is the most accurate score for that game at the time of its release. Zelda games are weird because, yes, there are some 10 scores that it gets. I think we give a lot of Zelda games 10s. Uh, the last two Zelda games, the new Zelda games that came out, on that's Twilight Princess and Skyward Sword, we gave them 10s. At least one of them, the reviewer does regret giving it a 10. Didn't we give Link Between Worlds a 10 also? I don't think we did. I think... I think Mario, I think the only one we gave, like the only other game that got a 10 from us that year was uh, 3D World, and that was from two of the three reviews that we had for it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought it was that one too, but either way, Zelda games review very well on our website, but on many other websites it gets an 8. It gets an 8.5, it gets an 8.9, it gets a 7.9. And, and yet it still ends up in like the 90s on Metacritic when it's all over. I think Breath of the Wild, yes, Chariot Goblin, Breath of the Wild will get sevens at the least. But I also think maybe that game is a high seven or a low eight because I it, haven't necessarily been convinced that it's anything but that yet. It's, it, I mean, we have, I mean, these these are outlets that are going to be comparing it to stuff like Final Fantasy 15, The Witcher 3, your open world games like your GTAs and you know, Assassin's Creed Syndicate, which was a return to form for that series after Unity was a complete bomb. I, it's not out of the, and Nintendo specific outlets, they have, from what we've seen, they have a lower weighting on Metacritic. So don't be surprised if that Metacritic is in the mid 80s when it's all over. 
Rizza 36 says GameSpot will give it a five. Too much grass. I, I know you're joking, but that's actually kind of a good point. Like that could be a very valid thing about no, that'd be, Breath of the Wild. I, I don't think that I don't think GameSpot will use that excuse. That's IGN's job. That's IGN's job. But what you're how you're joking about there being too much grass. One of the things I am most worried about this game is that the world not feeling alive and it just being a bunch of aimless foliage that you can explore the world. Like the way I imagine it is like a much bigger ocarina of time, except you can jump and move more freely. In my imagination, that's what Zelda Breath of the Wild's world looks like. A much bigger, much more empty Ocarina of Time, which is already a very empty game with a lot of aimless foliage and loose dungeon design. And I think Nintendo is designing Zelda as if they're the people to invent the open world game. And I think that's going to be what could backfire. Yeah. Because they're not taking cues from all these games that came out. They're not taking cues from Grand Theft Auto V, which set the standard for a current-gen open world game. It didn't take any cues from The Witcher 3, at least deliberately, which also set the cues. Or Metal Gear Solid V, or even Final Fantasy XV, which, which came out more recently. But there were all these extremely well-made open world games that they should be taking cues from that they aren't necessarily. Uh, Cherry Goblin, could you compare Breath of the Wild to Xenoblade Chronicles X? I wish I could if my copy of Xenoblade Chronicles X wasn't still sealed. But Donald, maybe you could take that question. I Well, I've only played Xenoblade, but Xenoblade, at least you had, at least there was enough, there was enough things in the environment that at least it felt like a living world, even if you were just doing a fetch quest at the time. So with Breath of the Wild, I don't know about that. But then again, I've also been down on, on this since E3. So maybe when I play it, I'll feel differently. I have slightly critical expectations for The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, which makes me hope that this is going to be a really wonderful Legend of Zelda game, because if my expectations are low, and boy will they continue to be low until the game comes out, and then it ends up being an amazing Zelda game, then that just makes everyone happy. It, it, I'm very excited to be wrong about this. Uh, RK says, aren't they based on the same engine? Yes, and they also did. it was confirmed that Monolith Soft did have a hand in developing Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. They're not the developers, but they did help out. Maybe in like a Ubisoft kind of fashion, how so many studios work on one game. Yeah. Because yeah. they, because if there's anybody under Nintendo's umbrella that knows how to do an open world, it's the guys at Monolith. Yeah, Heart Donor says Breath of the Wild trailer alone gives me goosebumps, and I know that feeling. Not for Breath of the Wild, but I do know that feeling for, ironically, the first trailer for Xenoblade Chronicles X. Because that first trailer was like do 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 do. And then there was like that symphony that came in and it was super catchy and powerful and it just makes your body shake with goose pimples. Oh boy, that was a really good trailer. And it's the only thing that makes me still think I could play that game someday. Jared Goblin says, "When if Alex is happy, everyone is happy. Ain't that a fact? Ain't that a fact? 
RK205 asks, when do we think the first Switch Direct is? My guess is like a week or two from now. Yeah, I'd say within within a couple of weeks because Bucci and Yoshi comes out tomorrow. And then after that, there is nothing for Nintendo first party except for tank troopers until the Switch comes out. So if they're gonna press if they're gonna press on with any more switch information, this is the time to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about don't, our we yeah, go ahead, Don. Don't don't make me cancel my pre-order, please, Nintendo. <laughs> You're not gonna cancel your pre-order. You're getting a Nintendo Switch on day one and you know it. <laughs> Yeah, I know, and I'm gonna end up with Bomberman as my launch game. <laughs> Your one launch game. You're not getting Zelda. I'm getting it on Wii U. It's way cheaper. Okay. All right. We have one more thing to talk about that's interesting. So, how do I pronounce this guy's name, uh, Mister Toto? Zekrin Toto. He's Zekrin a Toto. Yeah, he's a well-connected Japanese analyst who posts a lot on it. Who actually posts. Uh, on Twitter in English, so he's very handy as a source. He was there at the sales financial stuff, and he made a point about something Mr. Kamishima said. He said, Nintendo President Kamishima is quoted as saying he considers a 3DS successor because he sees a need and market for it. Now, there's been some disagreement on what this quote means. Some people think it's like, you know, maybe it's just Nintendo looking for, like, Kamishima's kind of suggesting that they're just looking to the future and anything's a possibility, or they're actually deliberately saying that there's still a market for a 3DS successor. And then Aonuma was quoted more directly that there is a possibility for a 3DS successor. The point here is, if I had to read the room on this, I don't think Switch is going to be Nintendo's one console. And based on what I've played of it and what I've seen other people say about it and how people are reacting to it right now, which is cautiously optimistic or hopefully critical, I I think they're probably making a good decision to keep a safe successor to the 3DS. Where they know the Pokemon is going to sell, where they know the, the 2D... 2.5D games are going to sell, where they know the Fire Emblem games are going to sell, yada, 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 where they know the Animal Crossing is going to sell. You know? Yeah, I mean, the because they pointed out in the financials that the 2DS is becoming a bigger and bigger part of the 3DS family sales. So, what I think what they're aiming at, with a th- what they would probably be aiming at with the 3DS successor is a low-cost system, like something that they can sell for 100, 150 bucks US. TRBR makes a point that I've made on a past episode. They have to make it a small switch with yeah. built-in controls, keep that shit together. That's what I think is the right way to do it. I don't know if they can physically do it right now. That might be something they only have the technical capacity for in a couple of years because they'll have to price it, I would say, at $150 or less. Mm, yeah. $180 or less, really. But they'll they'll have to do it that way. But keeping the libraries the same for two separate systems seems like a fine way to go about it. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, those, those, the kind of screens you would see on the Switch, they're only going to get less expensive, especially if they can, Nintendo can reach some sort of economies of scale that they were never able to reach with stuff like the Wii U gamepad. 
So if they can if they can do that and they have a low and they have a low cost option, especially for the youth market, where it's something a parent can impulse buy as like a holiday gift. Yeah. Then I think they they would be wise to do that. And if it can place in if it can place with the same games that are on the Switch, that's even better because then it makes then it really does cement the Switch as a home console. And then you have these add-on extensions. And Iwata has spoken in the past spoken in the past before he passed away about you know one one environment for development. So if that's what they're going for with this thing, that's good. If it's a literal 3DS successor, as in it's a completely different development platform, I think they're they're making a mistake. Sure. Riza, they'll make a 3DS successor, but the games will be able to be played on the Switch and not vice versa. I disagree with you because that would require a level of future-proofing that I don't think the Switch has inside of it. Unless they use the same cartridges as the Switch, which seems very unlikely unless they're just putting out a handheld Switch. Yeah, like basically, like Tierra already said, just slam those Joy-Cons in permanently. Yeah, Cherry Goblin, I'm going to miss dual screen gaming. I'm going to miss dual screen gaming. I'm okay with them moving on from it. I'm more going to miss the 3D on the 3DS because there's no way in hell that ever comes back. No, three, they don't make three. I mean, I don't even think they make 3D TVs anymore. So the 3D is my favorite gimmick Nintendo's ever done. But at the same time, because the 3DS has been out for just about six years, I take the 3D for granted now, so it's not as crazy as the first moment that you got a 3DS and you turn the slider up and it's like, three, two, one, as you set up the 3DS screen, which is one of the defining moments of owning a 3DS and getting to yeah. see it for the first time. Uh, yeah. I, 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 kind of, I will kind of miss dual screen gaming just because Sun and the Moon, for a strong game it is, it, it is clearly designed to be on a single screen, as yeah. Joe Merrick of Cerebi pointed out. I believe it was either on Twitter or the NeoGAF a few days ago. That Pokemon Sun and Moon are clearly designed to be used on a single screen device, as, yeah. as evidenced by the fact that you have to go into a separate menu to do online stuff. The bottom screen is just a Rotom blinking, which is a yeah. really upsetting thing to see when you fixate on the fact that the Rotom is blinking. And I'm sorry yeah, I'm, for telling you to fixate on the Rotom blinking, but just try it and it'll be hard to stay focused on the top screen. Like, it is, yeah. it is the worst little feature they put in that game. Yeah. The, I mean, the map is nice, but that seems like, compared to what they've had on the bottom screen on, on Pokemon games before, they clearly, they've got plans for Pokemon that involve it being on a single screen. Yeah. Uh, I had one more comment I just wanted to talk about. Cherry Goblin, I'm anticipating Mario Sports Superstars. TBH Riza adds, I forgot about Mario Sports. Looks fun. That game comes out in March. I'm more actively excited for Mario Sports Superstars than I am for Zelda at this point in time, which is not a slight against Zelda as much as it is the fact that for a sports compilation, this game looks kind of fun as hell. Yeah, full. I mean, you got a full sports in there from the sound of it, and that'll be about the time that I hopefully will have the money to buy to buy something to replace this beat up new 3ds I've had for the last two years. Yeah, yeah. And I think that does it. RK adds that makes Pokemon Stars even more likely. I agree. I think Pokemon Stars is happening. Cherry Goblin asks, "Where's Pikmin 3D?" 
S. Uh, still is in August. It's not that, that is, but that's in August, probably. That's a that's gonna have an E3. It's probably the a summer game at best, because they actually talked about it in the same press release where they announced the release date for Sports Superstars, but it was still Pikmin temporary name. So I think we get our name, and I think we get our name either at, in the press kit at E3 or during whatever they have at E3. Now, what's sadder? Pikmin 3DS is Nintendo's one holiday game for the 3DS. Or they treat Pikmin 3DS as the, hey, it's E3 and this game is out today. Like, what would be more sad for the state of the Pikmin franchise? Uh, Probably it being the holiday game. Really? Because I think Rhythm Heaven actually got some push from being the, it's out right now at E3. But besides, I think there's something there's something that is a handheld game, but that's going to be your it's out right now at E3. What game are you thinking about? Mother Three. Oh yeah, whatever. Like that game will probably come out, but it's like not even a big deal because I think eighty percent of the people who actually really really want to play Mother Three have already played it. <laughs> I I am actually in that group that hasn't. I okay. I did get the fan translation. I even had a way to play it on a DS Lite, but I I I don't know. I just it didn't feel right. I I, I want to end this show, but I just want to say how funny it is that Cherry Goblin is referring to Pikmin 3DS as the 3DS Swan Song. Well, I mean, for all we well, then again, there's probably Yokai Watch Three. That's probably uh, that and Lady Layton. That, that, that's like the 3DS sunsetting with Chibi Robo Ziplash, which which is what this game looks a lot like. But anyways, I'm getting I'm getting uh, ahead of myself. We need to end this show. We've been going for more than an hour, and we had, we had like 20 minutes of stuff to talk about today, so, which is why we got into Alex Jones and the Super Bowl at one point. So that's our show for this week thank you so much for listening alex kalafi here with donald terrio patreon.com slash nwr support the site get lots of great exclusive content as well as content first this show is on itunes look up nintendo news report you get the audio version of our show also patrons are now getting the audio version of this show first and we're going to do a new Nintendo News report next week and the week after that, and we're going to talk about the Switch, and hopefully Neil gets in here to give his Fire Emblem thoughts. It's Nintendo News Report. You know what this show is. The 20 people watching, like, most of you know what this show is. You know that we're going to do it at a surprise time next week, probably on a Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, and you'll probably be here, and we'll be here, and that'll be a show, and have a good night, and... Bye-bye. Bye.